right, and we are back. Welcome into episode four of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. I am Blake Pace alongside Teddy Pristash. We've got uh, some fun conversations to have today going over the 10th overall pick, really everything involved with it. Teddy, you're chuckling almost. Did I say something that uh, that's caught you no, off guard? No, I just, I just adjusted my chair and <laughs> it looked really funny. I put my chair up right before you started and then I was like, should I tell him to stop? But I figured. I, I think wouldn't. we're good. I think but then you fine. just brought it up. So like that's on you. Yeah. No, no, that's my fault for not just letting it slide. I, I right. just thought you had a case of the giggles. It would have been only the YouTubers, but now right. everyone they knows. They would have only got it. Now everyone knows Teddy's adjusting his chair because he's got a uh, short guy <clears throat> inferior complex. Um, we yep, are back. Yep, episode yep. four, Chasing 69. Um, like I said, big conversation around the 10th pick. Last episode, we went over the fourth pick. Um, and actually, before we get into the conversation of the 10th pick, I want to follow up one more time on the fourth pick, because I feel like that one is more. Confusing. Uh, yeah, confusing. It's hard to, yeah. to break apart. So we'll, we'll touch base on that, even even though this is centered around the 10th pick. We'll do some quick housekeeping, take a look at stuff as we gear toward the draft, a few visits and whatnot. Um, but like I said, main main topic for the day is going to be uh, this 10th overall pick. Teddy. As always, before we get in there, how you doing today on this uh, this lovely Tuesday night, April fifth? I'm doing good. It's been it's been a busy time, you know, working and stuff. But that's why I love that I'm, we're going to get this hour or so to just talk Jets and relax. Exactly. You know? Forget the for outside it. world. Yeah, my yeah. my past two weeks have been fucking insane. So. No, this is always nice. It's always nice to be able to catch up and just talk football and ignore everything else. Speaking of which, exactly. Before we get into things, Teddy, you are now a part of the Jets Twitter spaces. Yeah, I've been having a blast. <laughs> You've been joining a few of them. I, I'm just curious because I, I want to. I want to eventually get into those, and I think my schedule eases up a little bit in the next few weeks, so hopefully I can. But I'm just curious, you know, as, as someone who's, you know, we're starting a new show. It is uh, slowly starting to get, you know, more followers, listens, all that. Uh, what's the Twitter spaces experience been like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. I haven't uh, dipped my toe in talking a couple of times. I've really only asked a few questions. But I mean, there's a lot of people who who like I mean, there's a lot of people who make content about the Jets, you know, kind of like what we're doing now. But there's also just a lot of people who like our Jets fans that are on Twitter and like engaged. So it's honestly just a blast. And everyone just like kind of just goes for it. And they give everyone an opportunity to speak. Um which is cool. It, it, it's been just like fun getting in there and like hearing what everyone has to say, what other people think about kind of the stuff we're talking about, the fourth pick, right. tenth pick, all this stuff. Um, one of them, see, like, I don't really know everyone or like everything that goes down in, in there, you know, so I don't know, but, but one of, I don't know like who runs them, but one of them is all the time. It's named like Zach Wilson is greater than Tua or like, it was like something about two and on. I don't know, dude. They're the, they're hilarious and like. Hey, and excuse me. They're not wrong. I mean, he is greater than no, two and on. Yeah, but. Zach Wilson's like. I'm really buying in. Like, I'm really ready Good. to just like buy all the way in. But I'm gonna save that for another day. I think. But no, yeah. the Twitter spaces have been a blast. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I want to join. I think what I've learned the most is, um, just in the few weeks, because like I said, you know, I. I came into this probably less knowing Jets Twitter or right. Jets fan bases. Just it really is a community that we got. Well, and it's funny because the Colts world that I was in before, and I'm still a fan of the Colts world. I just 
to me, when you're tweeting a lot of Jets content, I, I'm assuming they don't want to hear Colts stuff. So I stay pretty quiet when it comes to Colts news. And also there is none, but um, it's so small because we're such a, you know, Indiana small market. small market. So, I mean, all of the Jets podcasts here, it's like, you know, it, it does seem like a huge community. So it's going to be fun. I, I do want to get into some uh, Twitter spaces because I feel like, you know, best way to build the brand best way yeah to and start. dude they like they have like people are talking about the jets all day like you, you log on and it's like late even it's like evening jets talk and then it's like late night jets talk and it goes for like ever and then it's like morning jets talk like it's just it's crazy man i mean if you want to get in there and talk jets i'm it's definitely possible. going to yeah, I'm definitely going to. And that reminds me while we're here, since we always wait a few minutes in to uh, remember to mention it, make sure to follow us on our social media at, uh, at NYJ underscore chasing 69 on Twitter, our YouTube channel as well, too. We appreciate all of the support. Um, I feel like that we did a pretty good job at mentioning that early on this time. It was, we still yeah, were a few minutes late, but definitely better than like 40 minutes in like usual. Right. Well, well follow that. Know, yeah, follow it. No, you don't have a choice. You yeah. should be following it if you're yeah. not, you know. Anyways, in terms of we usually would start before going into things with a little bit of housekeeping, latest Jets news, all that stuff. There has not been anything really outside of, you know, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown being like, hey, I'm staying with my teams. Can you please, Jets fans, yeah. stop blowing up my mentions? Just saying that, you know, and, and there's one guy that I want to blame more than the other, AJ Brown just tweets a lot of mystic messages where you're just like, what is he trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's bringing it on himself. And then he, apparently he was like calling out the jets fans is what he was actually doing. But it's like, Hey man, you know, if you're going to give them something to work with, you're going to build this up yourself. But yeah. And I still think, I mean, like it's probably not going to happen, but you never know. Yeah. I think we still, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, we're starting to get a little bit more information on top 30 visits, who, you know, some of the top prospects are meeting with the Jets as we gear up toward that. Um, we've got our list here, at least of of the, all that we know of up to this point. Right. That was updated um, earlier this morning. I have them kind of just positionally, uh, you know, two cornerbacks so far, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley Sauce. They met at the Combine. They're also bringing in for a top 30 visit. Stingley, no use, no uh, news yet on a top 30 visit, but they did meet with him at the combine. Um, of course, you know, edge position. We spent a lot of time talking about that with the fourth overall pick last episode. Aiden Hutchinson came in for a top 30 visit. We both kind of probably are assuming he's not going to be available there at four. Um, yeah. Whether or not that's to Jacksonville at one, Detroit at two, Houston at three. One of those three teams are, are going to end up with Aiden, but still bring him in for a visit. Uh, George Karloftis uh, out of Purdue. They met with him at the Combine and Pro Day. No you, uh, news yet on a top 30 visit. Our guy, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, met with him at the Combine, met with him at his Pro Day. I'm assuming at some point an official top 30 visit is coming. I don't see yeah. why they wouldn't at this point. We got a lot left to schedule. Right, exactly. And, yep, Trayvon Walker, another edge rusher who is really – I mean, I, the latest I saw today is that Jacksonville's considering him with the number one overall pick, which, you know, talk about a guy that has just blown up draft boards. Um, you know, he's come in for a top 30 visit as well too. Uh, so those are the edge guys we have right now. I'm just going to run through the rest of the list, and we'll pop through some other guys. I'm going to leave one name out because it's funny. But uh, center, Tyler Lindenbaum um, out of uh, Iowa. They met with him at the Combine, I think – 
he was an interesting name because he was looked at at one point as like a top 10 pick, you know, heading into the draft. It was like this. I know you don't want to draft interior offensive lineman high, but this is a guy that you actually do want to take with a top 10 pick. Now I'm seeing stuff where it's like late first round, early second round. So maybe the, you know, testing didn't go too well, or maybe they're looking at the p- positional value a little bit different. Uh, linebacker, Nicobe Dean, um, top 30 visit. Offensive tackler, Tyler, Tyler Smith. Uh, they met with him at Tulsa's Pro Day. That's a name that I think, if anything, you're looking a mid-round flyer on, on just depth for the offensive line, but still another name Neat to, guys like to that. keep an eye on. Exactly. Not everyone's a top 10 pick. Nope. Nope, not at all. And then we've got uh, Jeremy Rucker, tight end. They met with him at the Combine. And then, obviously, wide receiver, which we're going to talk about today. We don't need to go into these names too much, but Chris Olave has a top 30 visit, as does Garrett Wilson, the two Ohio State boys. Jamison Williams out of Alabama, top 30 visit. Traylon Burks, they met with him at the Combine and also are having in for a top 30 visit. We can also assume Drake London's going to be on there at some point, too, uh, as as we've seen him connected to New York a ton, too. Um, Teddy... Uh, you know, outside of that, this, this all, nothing here is like shocking to me, except the one name that I've left out, but it, you know, I'll just, I'll hold that for a second, but uh, outside of, of him, um, nothing crazy here, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it kind of just kind of lends itself to the fact that we have two top 10 picks in yep. my opinion, because it's like all these guys who are getting top 10, top 20 picks, like projections, and we're meeting with all of them, which is awesome, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, no real shock. They're going to, they're going to meet with all these guys, you know, like even if they think Aiden Hutchinson's going to not be there, they're going to meet with them, you know? So right. doesn't give me, it doesn't give us like a ton of information. I think it's more when you get into those like sick secondary third round type of guys, um, where it really starts getting interesting, but I will let you go ahead with, with yeah. what you're so done. I'm also, I'm about. just realizing at the list, I skipped over, uh, Icky Aquanu who got a top 30. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize there. that the He's name that is funny is that they did meet with Malik Willis at the combine, um, which I just put the eyeball emoji next to. Obviously I think we're all. Oh, that's what that is. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. I got the little (laughs) eyeballs there just like, Hey, Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I I wouldn't read too much. I mean, I did not know that until you like pointed out to me right before this, when I saw it on the doc. But yeah, I, I don't think weird. it means I mean, anything. whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They didn't meet with, you know, other quarterbacks in the class. I, I think I think everybody is starting to lean on except for the Carolina Panthers for some reason. Um, as Malik Willis being the top quarterback of this class, we don't we're not going to spend much time talking about quarterbacks in this class because the Jets currently have one that they took with a second overall pick last year. Um this is not a year to need a quarterback. And, you know, Malik is the one guy I'd be like, yeah, I would be hopeful that eventually he could turn into a starter. But some of the other guys, I just, I don't, I'm not too in on, but just an interesting one to see that they met with him at the combine. I'm, I don't even really know like how to react. Like, I don't know like what, just because it's like odd, like, I don't know, but who cares really? I, I, to me, I don't know if, it's Oh, they, well, like they a, just met at the combine, right? It's not a top yeah, 30. It's not visit. a top 30. Visit. All right. So that that's it. Cause I was like, why would you waste one of your top 30 guys on a guy? You're definitely not right. Gonna yeah. That's just a combine but one. So it means understanding who he is. Yeah. That makes sense to me, I guess. Maybe trying to see if there's any trade bites for the number four pick or something. Maybe, I don't know. 10th pick. That's actually These quarterbacks, really smart. 
maybe you just meet with them. You put your name attached to it. Like, Oh, what are the jets meeting with them for? Maybe we need to look at, you know, trading around them for that. But I, I wouldn't read too much into, it. I just thought it was, I actually think anything. that makes a lot of sense that they would have done it just to kind of get a feel for, Oh, are people really going to be trying to get this guy and trying to jump up? Right. And yeah. I definitely think it's very possible that we're moving around our top four picks. So yep. we'll see. Yeah. Well, other than that, like we said, uh, not a ton else going on. All I see now are a bunch of memes and all the Jets players hanging out together, which is fun to see. It's nice yeah. to see yeah. Braxton Jack and Wilson Zach. And who were, it was Feeney. Who was Dan Feeney hanging out with? You replied to uh, a picture of him with another guy. I think it was with Zach. Oh, it was? Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, it's nice to see that the Jets are hanging out. They're all there. boys, and that's what I yeah. love. Like, when they brought Dan Feeney back, it's like, he might not have been the best like backup that you wanted to see, but mm -hmm. it's so obviously like him and Zach Wilson are best friends, you know, or yeah. like pretty good friends. So all right. good for them. Dan Feeney probably just drinks all the beer that Zach Wilson won't. Dude, does Zach Wilson not drink beer? No. That's so lame, bro. Yeah. That's cool. Do, yeah. do your thing. That's him. not lame. Mormon life. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> as we're <laughs> drinking, I was going to shit on you earlier because I hate blue light with a burning passion for those. I got a nice bush latte with That's me, such, but number one, a hater thing to say. I it's and number the two, one blue light, light is like only it's I feel like it's really not like around like out there. Like we in New York City, it. you can't be buying blue light, you know. We don't have it in uh in Tennessee at all. Yeah, it's like definitely nowhere near not. us. But I it's also the one light beer that I just am like, I don't enjoy for some reason. And I know you hate Bud Light. I love Bud Light. Yeah, I mean I don't hate it, but blue light's my my go-to. Yeah. Well, I guess we're not here to talk light beer. So let's get into this the isn't a, overall pick. All right, all right. This is what? what I was going to say this isn't a beer podcast. <laughs> this is a beer podcast. We just <laughs> drink beer and talk about it. All right. So the, the 10th overall pick, I think we're both pretty aligned on the position they should go with. And we are both pretty aligned as well with, with going edge rusher with the fourth overall pick. Um, wide receiver seems like the most likely play at pick 10. Um, the only position, the only situation, I guess, that I wouldn't consider one there is if a star wide receiver comes available before the draft and the Jets end up landing him. That would be really the only area in which um, that. But, Teddy, do you think, um, you know, Joe Douglas is showing his cards kind of here uh, in his attempts to trade for a wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, I guess um... – with with the way that we're attacking um, number one wide receivers in like the trade and free agency um, markets or whatever, mostly trading, obviously, it does kind of seem it, it could at least put the impression out there that, oh, I don't really trust taking one of these top five guys to be better than X player. And obviously, like Tyreek Hill is a different story than some other guys that that we could possibly trade for. But but it kind of just makes you think like, oh, does he not believe in these guys? Or is he just really, really, really saying I need a number one wide receiver. And if I don't trade for one, I'm going to take one with the 10th pick. Um, like you just said, I definitely am on the receipt. Like, I think that's most likely the pick. But I do definitely think there's a very real chance that they do go elsewhere. And I think that fans are very committed to the, the wide receiver at number 10. And I definitely do think it's going to happen. But at the same time, I don't think it's like set in stone 100%. Mm -hmm. So I do just want to get that out there. Um, but I think overall, there's five guys that could potentially be the number one receiver on the Jets board, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And yeah. to 
to have the thought that we might be taking the number one receiver in the draft is very exciting. And what I think so interesting about it is when you look at this list of five guys, really anyone could be number one on a, on a certain team's draft board, you know? Definitely. And so it's like, we're going to get the number one guy, but who do the Jets think is the number one guy? And I think that's what makes this like so crazy and so exciting. Especially because a few of them, you know, some of them are just fits into the scheme, but then some of them are also fits where like, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers and the way that they've built this offense and now have brought it over to New York, it's a physical football team. You want big receivers that can block well. You, you bring in Corey Davis to do just that this past year. He was one of the better run-blocking wide receivers in football, and then it's predicated on yak. It's, it's yards after the catch, being able to get the ball in open space and make guys miss. That's really what this um, offense wants out of you as a wide receiver, and there are a few guys that can do this that have very different body sizes. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go. And like you said, you could have five teams, all five of them could have a different wide receiver. One. I, I spoke about this when writing about Drake London, who is my top guy. He's my favorite of the group. And, and I said, it's, it's not which one you think is best. It's which one is your flavor. You know, which one yeah. do you think best projects into your offense and what you can do? Because now, you know, receiver is such a rich position. It really is becoming one of the more, deep positions in the entire league where it doesn't matter necessarily sometimes if they're a perfect fit for your scheme. If you've got two or three guys that you think are really solid for the scheme, go and take a burner, you know, some guy that can just get past everybody. Um, and, and I want to have a really fun conversation around Jamison Williams, but I almost kind of want to save him for last because um, he is such an interesting conversation to have. Um, yeah. It, go right ahead. What I want to do just before we, before we dive into them all, and if, if you want to save this, that's okay. But but can you give us how you would rank these five guys yeah. on your draft board? Um, and I guess whether that takes into account the Jets' needs or not, just when you look at these five players, yeah, how do you see them from a from a talent standpoint, or just so from to, like an an NFL prospect? Right. Standpoint? Yeah, so so my top two are Drake London and Traylon Burks. Um, to me, Drake London, you know, he is, you know, uh, for his size to be as athletic and as twitchy and as good with the ball in his hands, I think is a very special combination. Um, and he reminds me of a few receivers in the league and, and almost like a blend between two really solid ones. Uh, to me, Traylon Burks, to it kind of reminds me when you watch him play almost like a little bit of Debo Samuel, which is you know, I'm starting to see Traylon Burks dip a little bit lower in mock drafts. I'm starting to see him in the late teens, early 20s. Um, I don't think we're going to spend too much time discussing this aspect of it, but I do think it's it's in the conversation that this 10th pick is a trade back scenario. Um, and if it is, and say they do try to pick up an extra day two pick or someone's throwing out a 2023 first, just to move back in the first round, maybe that's a position you go with and you do try and get Traylon Burks in the late teens, early twenties. Um, but to me, those are the top two guys that I have behind them. I've got Garrett Wilson. To me, he is just a foolproof wide receiver can kind of do it all. He doesn't necessarily, I don't mean this in, in a way, Traylon Burks and Drake London wow me in very different ways where Garrett Wilson to me is just like a foolproof you know, he's got the highest floor of this group, 
but I like the ceiling of, of Burks and London a little bit more. I just like what they can project and turn into. Um, God, and I, it, it's tough too, because Jamison Williams, I should probably have right around Garrett Wilson. I, I would say I kind of group the two of them together and, and maybe I should be giving Jamin, Jamison Williams more credit as the wide receiver three of this class. Um, but to me, I, I also, you know, we were going to do a podcast later on at state your bias. I have a bias with players and I just, I like them to be bigger and I like them to be heavier and it just, it makes you less injury prone. It protect protects you through your career. So the size of Jamison Williams isn't something that I necessarily love, but he does provide something that none of these guys can. And that's a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle type speed. And I think that that's an extremely important asset to have in football. And then at five, I've got Chris Olave. Um, to me, if there was one guy of this class that we pick in the first round and he maybe doesn't necessarily pan out to me, it's Olave. I know he's got speed. He tested well at the combine. I just, I don't know. There's just something that I, I don't think he can necessarily be like a do-it-all dependable number one wide out. Um, and not that he needs to be. I'm sure he could go to a team where he's a number two um, and, and a really good number two. I just think that you've got four potential wide receiver ones and to me Olave is a very good wide receiver but I don't think is in the same class as all of them yeah um so that's so you where got, I, I'm sorry but you got Drake London uh Traylon Burks Garrett Wilson at three Jamison Williams and then Chris Olave at five yeah and the drop off between four and five is a little yep. bit I, yep. I would say I've got Drake got and tiers. Traylon together I've got Wilson and Jamison Williams together and then Olave at five. Yeah. Cool. And look, there's a, there are so many talented receivers in rounds two and three. I also think there's a chance we break a record for most wide receivers taken in the first round. I believe it's seven right now. There's a few guys starting to creep up Christian Watson out of North Dakota state uh, Pickens out of Georgia. There's a ton of dudes. We don't need to spend time on them because I think the conversation at 10 is basically these five now. Um, but yeah, that's where I've kind of got them built out. Yeah, and, and I, I do just kind of want to say that um, I had not heard that. Like, me and Blake, we have obviously talked about these guys, but I didn't know where you placed them all. Um, and I'm definitely excited to hear you rank Traylon Burks at number two because I definitely just, like, loved him when I was watching him. Yeah. Um, but so for me, and I want to preface this, I have Jamison Williams as my third guy. But, and I've been hearing, this is something that I heard a lot, you know. Do you want to just have the, do you just want to have the Jamison Williams conversation now? Cause it is so fascinating. Yeah. I'll, I'll give my it. list quick and then we'll jump into it. But yeah. basically my thing with J Jamison Williams is he would be my number one guy if, if he wasn't hurt. And that's something that I was hearing a lot of people say. And I was like, yeah, like, let's check it out. And when I really went and, and went back to the season, and I mean, this is the guy who, out of all these guys, in my opinion, just made plays so consistently. Obviously, he's at Alabama, so he's on the biggest stage every week. Um, but he just like blows me away when I watch him play. I really, I really think so. And the speed that you're talking about is such a huge asset, but also just the ability to run and 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 make those like just make men miss and just get out of there. And the thing with him is that because of the injury, it just really, really is hard to sit there and say like, oh, in we're going to have a miss maybe up to half of the season, you know, even if it's likely not going to be that long. I mean, he got injured, what, in the 
championship game yeah. or, the, or the game before. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's unfortunate. Um, so I don't know if I can necessarily rank him there, but if he was, if he was um, fully healthy, he'd be my number one guy. And I guess before I do my list, I want to hear what you think about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I mean, it's, you're starting to see now in the league and, and I guess Tyreek Hill started this trend um, where we have it in our notes here. Speed kills. It is the number one mismatch in football where teams that, you know, now have these quarterbacks that can launch it 70 yards in the air, getting them a wide receiver that can be down the field by the time that passes is landing onto its target. That is something that um, is kind of changing the landscape of the position. You know, people really liked Devonta Smith last year um, and re- people really liked Jamar Chase and, and Jalen Waddle was taken sixth. So he wasn't the first wide receiver taken, but he was taken ahead of other guys that people assumed were going to be um, more talented wide receivers. And, and you saw what he did in his rookie season. And, and Jalen Waddle got- also coming off an injury, by the way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he's in the similar situation where it's like, People are almost just saying, I want the guy that nobody else can run with, and I'm just going to give my quarterback who's got a cannon of an arm a shot to just just torch them. And, and we're starting to see this past season made it a little bit more difficult because we started to see a lot of teams kind of solve the Tyreek Hill problem where it's just two deep safeties. That's really you know the answer and why the Chiefs maybe had a down year is because that element of their game was missing. But now it's turning into – just get those guys the ball in space and let them go. And I think that's where you see Jalen Waddle. It's going to have a terrific year next year, even if Tua isn't great because um, why can't I remember his name? Who's the new coach there? I love him. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. He's going to get him the ball in open space. Oh, yeah. Jalen Waddle is going to make guys miss. And so it's almost looking at that situation where you look at the offensive scheme that we are running or the Jets are running and you say, well, if we put Jamison Williams in that offense, how special could he be? Yeah. And I think what you just said is exactly it. It's like having one of these guys is not just about running verticals, you know, and running, running nine routes down the, down the field. What it's about is, is just the ability to give them the ball and they might make one guy miss and then outrun everyone, you know? And and what, what comes to my mind is like the guy running a slant or running a 12 yard dig or a 20 yard or yeah, dig. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. Like a, you know, like a curl route or whatever, like over across the middle. This is crazy because I'm a receiver. I should remember these words, but no, I no, forgot. You remember that. your route tree, Ted. I, oh, a drag is the word I'm looking for. A drag. So when when they're when this guy when a guy like Jameson Williams is running a deep drag across the middle, he can just book it, you know, and outrun everyone up the sideline and just score a touchdown and like making at the end of the day football comes down to who's going to make more plays and who's going to score more points you know what I mean like it's you you have to have a good team and you have to do all these things but when you can just give it to one guy and they might be able to score Mm -hmm. that's pretty big you know and and that's why like I'm kind of torn if if they did take him at 10 I I would I would not hate it at all even though it does seem like in the short term it's not the best decision Yeah. And I think another thing that plays a huge role into this is the way that the NFL has changed being able to hit receivers over the middle of the field, you know, not allowing these blindside hits um, and protecting the wide receivers. It's now like, oh, I can give my five, nine wide receiver the ball in the middle of the field and know that he's not going to be decapitated. Um, And because of that, the receiver can know that. 
Exactly. So now that they know that they can work the middle of the field way more than they used to a decade ago. And I think that's why we're starting to see some smaller frame wide receivers really pan out in the league. Tyreek Hill being one of the first Jalen Waddle now. I mean, even a guy like Devonta Smith, I know he's not like a short guy, but he's still what 165 pounds. You can be not big. an extremely tiny guy um, and still be um, a difference maker in the NFL. So I, I'm almost with you at this point where you know, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if Waddle, if, uh, if Williams, sorry, not Waddle, if uh, Jameson Williams is, ends up being the first receiver taken off the board, you know, and it, it could start as early as Atlanta at number eight, knowing they are going to be missing Calvin Ridley for next year. And they need to give some more weapons uh, to, you know, Marcus Mariota and that offense heading into next year. And, and maybe you say, okay, well, we know that we're going to be bad anyway, so let's just keep them out. And then we'll just build toward the season following. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first guy taken off because it does start to seem a lot of buzz is building toward that after we've spent the last month and a half talking about all the other four guys. Right. Yeah. And I guess um, we can move off Jamison now, but yeah, he really does. Just, yeah. He just, he, he blows me away. And, and he, that was kind of how Waddle was for me last year was just like in watching them play. They're just the ones making like spectacular plays. Like with Waddle for me, it was it was the spectacular catches, you know, and the ability to just like have some, some crazy acrobat catch, you know. And with Jameson, he kind of has that as well as just being easily the fastest player in the draft. And then one more thing with Williams too. I mean, we talk about the Jets and their um, their love for players that love football. This guy's a dog. He oh, yeah. is on special teams. He got ejected one game for a he bad works. hit came back the next day, uh, the next game, and on his first punt coverage, laid out the return man. Like, he does not give a fuck. He yeah. is um, a very passionate football player and a guy that the Jets probably would really enjoy having on the team, um, but it comes into what you're saying. If you know that you're going to be missing him for the first half of next season and you're a team that needs to be making a jump forward, um, is it worth the wait? Do you try and double up at receiver in the mid rounds for a guy that's just going to kind of be available until Williams gets back? Do you still test the free agent market? There's a, a few things to consider. Um, but to me, when you're a team that's really looking to take that step forward, maybe you just go with the guy, the best guy that you think is going to be healthy day one. Right. So let's and get yeah. your rankings there. Let's get the rest. Let's get your list. Who are your Yeah. So we got, so I'm putting Jamison at three. My number one, and now this is really hard for me, but I'm going to make it Drake London um, and agree with you, which might be a little podcast bias. I don't know, but that's just... We're aligned. The thing with Drake London um, that does like worry me is kind of that like ability um, to have like the quick first step and get off the line, you know, and if he's getting pressed, he doesn't really have like a real like jittery move and he's kind of a bigger bodied guy. Um, kind of moves like a I don't know like just like a tight end kind of but not like but that's just kind of how he looks when he's out there running mm -hmm. so my first impression when I started kind of diving in on him I was like okay like this guy's good but but I don't really know about just the like physical ability but then I mean you watch the plays this guy is making and it's like the way he looks is not the way he plays in in just for me, like you were talking about the yards after catch, like that's what this guy is. Like when he was at um, USC, their game plan was throw this guy like 50 screens a game and he's just going to get us yards, get us yards, you know, and it was like an extension of the run game kind of. Um, and I think that 
just like the the clear focus of his team to say this is our best player this is our chance and just force him the ball and you pair that with he's able to make plays from the short term and then he's also able to make these ridiculous contested catches I think he led all of college in contested catches and he only played in like eight games is that a real stat um he is. was at least up, up there. there yeah he's he was there he was number one and contested yeah. yeah I mean it's just like the 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 plays that this guy's able to make um and and Blake your comparison is between Mike Williams and Mike Evans I don't know I don't remember you saying that but I totally agree um yeah. he's just like a stud and can make these crazy plays and I think that size you don't want to draft a guy just because they fit but I think it like it fits so perfectly with what the Jets want to do yeah to, to me, that's that's the blend there. To me, he's he's a faster – or no, he's a bigger Mike Evans and a faster, more athletic Mike Williams. Um, so that's kind of the duo. When you watch those two guys play, it almost looks like they shouldn't be moving as well as they do. Um, and it almost looks a little clunky at times because they are so big. But um, – no, when you when you watch Drake London, that's that's at least what I see. That's a that's a, a same kind of guy where it's like, yeah, it doesn't look special. Like, you know, when all these small wide receivers that are a little bit smaller frames, they make the twitchy moves and they break away like that stuff looks really impressive. But so does being able to make every catch, on, uh, right. you know, every you know, the catch radius <clears throat> is insane. Like you said, led college football and contested catches was sixth in missed tackles forced. Like you said in just eight games, uh, some of these guys above him all played, I believe at least three more games was 10th in deep catches as well too. So they're, they're launching the ball deep to him. I think that's something that, you know, Elijah Moore and some of these other guys really started to break down the field for Zach Wilson, but adding another guy in there that is six foot five, a massive frame. I think that's going to be a huge help for him. Uh, to me, big corners will be too slow to guard him. Fast corners will be too small to guard him he really right. is to me one of those guys where like cornerbacks I don't know man it's, it's going to be a tough day um one thing that I I'll also like looking at with him is you take a look at the wide receivers and I know that the front office for New York doesn't come from San Francisco but the coaching staff does and I think that you can take what players they like and I think Joe is understanding I need to fit this team best to the coaching staff that I have since 2016 Every year um, that in which, uh, sorry, in, in every year in which Mike LaFleur was with the San Francisco 49ers going back to 2016, every wide receiver was top 40 in the nation um, in terms of yards after the catch and missed tackles forced. And, and that list is, you know, some guys that didn't pan out, some guys that did, Trent Taylor, wow. Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk, um, and Elijah Moore this past year. All of those guys were both top 40 in those two categories. That's just something they need out of their wide receivers. When you can get that and also get the physical run blocking aspect that Drake right. brings to me, that's like, you know, if he's available at 10, that's, that's the direction I go. Um, like I said, we can talk about trade backs and other snares with these other guys, but to me at 10, it's just, it's London to me. Yeah. And I mean, he's, you just like, you nail it on the head. He's just versatile. And that is the thing is if you want to look at the jets from, from a, a perspective of, what fits this scheme? Like, what are we kind of lacking in the receiver room? You know, like Drake London is a guy who absolutely provides what they're missing, which is that big body who can go up and make those contested catches. Um, and I mean, that essentially brings me right into the next guy, because I think that my, well, my second guy is Traylon Burks. And 
I mean, this guy, I like fell in love with this guy watching him play. And I'm, he's like 225 and he, they got him playing wildcat quarterback. They got him playing running back, you know, just like, I mean, really all, all of these guys, that's what's so amazing about this list is every single one of these five guys has yards after the catch ability and um, is able to just like basically play as a running back, like just give them the ball and see what they can do other than really Alave. Um, but, but Traylon Burks, I mean, you're, I'm, I'm, I was happy to see hear you compare him to Debo because I feel like Debo is like the easiest player to make comparisons to in the league right. these days. Cause anytime anyone's like, Oh, a running back, we can, or a wide receiver, we can give the ball to. They're just like, Oh, just like Debo. But literally watching Traylon Burks, it was like, that's Debo Samuel. Like he is huge. And he is going to punish everyone. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think he really just like the stuff with Drake London. He kind of does all that without being as like elite in terms of like going up and making contested catches, I guess. But he still even has that in his game. And to me, like some of the catches he was making were just were were so amazing. I just I really like Traylon Burks a lot. And the thing that's, I think, the biggest comparison to me in terms of Debo Samuel and um, and Traylon Burks is that their 40 times do not match what their play speed is. They are guys that need momentum to really get going, which is why you see them give Debo Samuel the ball in the backfield, give him these slip screens, these end arounds, these short, quick passes, and let him kind of get the momentum to get into the breakaway speed. Burks is that same way. He's not a burner off of his first step. But once you get the momentum and you get the ball in his hands, he just turns into this completely different guy. So when I look at both of them, you know, Debo and Traylon, they, they to me do make sense as a comparison because um, they both have the same physical build. Like you said, I, I wouldn't have a problem giving the ball to Traylon Burks in the backfield and just saying, hey, try and go between the tackles. If not, get around and just try and break some ankles. Like he is a difference maker with the ball in his hands. Um, and like I said, I really have him close to Drake London. I was team Traylon Burks up until about two weeks ago. I think I officially switched to Drake London as my top guy. Um, so it is very close to me. And it almost seems as like Burks is falling down a little bit in draft boards, like I mentioned. So um, say Drake London is is gone by 10. That would be unfortunate for the Jets. But you, like you said, there's still other guys here. And not that you need to replicate everything that you did in San Francisco, but having a guy that can have that impact or at least mimic the role that Debo Samuel had will change everything for this offense. Because Jimmy G is not a top five quarterback. He's not a top 10 quarterback. He's definitely not a bad quarterback, but when you have those playmakers, around I think he them, might be like, a little bit bad. I would say, I would say <laughs> he's an average quarterback. I would say okay. he's average. I would say he's an average You're quarterback, right. but yeah. To me, when you just have to only worry about, you know, these, you know, getting these short, you know, passing concepts, just giving the ball to your receivers and letting them work. I mean, that makes your life so much easier. And that's what next year is all about. It's how can we make life easier for Zach Wilson? And, you know, I think both of these guys, Drake London, Traylon Burks, a lot of these guys will do that. But those two specifically are just like, good. One less thing I have to worry about. Yeah. And I, I think um, I just want to mimic what you said in terms of like, I I could have easily said Traylon Burks is my number one guy, you know, like, like that decision was, was very difficult. Um, and it really could go either way. So like if the jets pick one over the other, I'll be fine, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I do think they, they both just kind of 
fit exactly what the Jets kind of seem like they're missing and, and could benefit the most from. And in terms of like the run blocking and and comparing that with being the big body to go with Elijah Moore and kind of giving Corey Davis like Corey Davis isn't the guy that you're going to throw a million screen passes to. You know what I mean? Like, I think I like Corey Davis more than a lot of Jets fans do, but I don't see him as like a, oh, let's just get the guy the ball and just he'll run with it. You know what I mean? Um, so that's kind of why I think both of these guys on my list are over uh, Jameson Williams and then my fourth guy, Garrett Wilson. Um, and it's really just because both of them are, both of them are studs, you know, can you, can you hear, hear my River. dog barking in yeah, the background? Yeah, I was going to say, hey, River, what's up? I wonder if the uh, mic can hear that. Hopefully not, but no, I'm sure you're fine. we'll see. Um, yeah, I have a dog. His name is River. I wanted to name him Jet after the Jets, but I have a girlfriend and she said no. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but so that's my top three, Drake London, Traylon Burks. I really think Jameson Williams is the best player in in uh, out of all five of these guys. But I do think that because of the injury and the way that the Jets are built, I think taking Drake London or Traylon Burks would be a better decision. Um, and then I just want to talk about Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Yeah. I'm so, um, wait, for, before you go there, I'm surprised you don't have an Ohio State bias toward him. I know. Well, I did, to be honest with you. Uh, I okay. mean, I very much like Garrett Wilson a lot, and I really like Ohio State. Um, I'm a Syracuse fan, but I used to be an Ohio State fan, so they're still my second favorite team. Um, but the thing with Garrett Wilson, it, and you kind of said it so perfectly way at the beginning, was he – Compared to Drake London and Traylon Burks, he's not like he doesn't jump off the page as much in terms of just like, oh, these are insane plays like, but he really is just that like reliable force that's able to just bust any play open, you know, and is able to, I mean, he was a stud this past year, like you can't, yeah. you can't say he wasn't. Um, so he's just really solid, you know, and just, he's just I, he just doesn't like jump off the page to me in the way that these other guys do, where I'd say, I want to take him with the 10th pick. Um, even though I don't think it would be a bad pick necessarily. I just think these other guys provide such a higher ceiling. And when you're thinking about um, <clears throat> when you're thinking about like what you want out of that pick, like we want to get a guy who's potentially like a top five, top 10 receiver in the league. And I, I feel like I'm talking shit about Garrett Wilson, but I'm not, but he just you're doesn't not. like, he doesn't jump off the page like that to me. Exactly. And there's certain things, at least when comparing to the Jets that I don't think stylistically fit. He is not a physical, you know, um, you know, great blocking wide receiver. He does have like good body control, um, you know, change of direction yards after the catch. He's very good at we talked about all these top five guys are great after the catch. Yeah, but for sure. in terms of, you know, comparing to Traylon and um, and and Drake there's just, there's no comparison with the physicality aspect of it. Like those two guys don't care about going out and hitting somebody. And it seems at times that um, Wilson gets a little bit overmatched physically. Um, and when we compare him to, you know, Jamison Williams, you know, we have them both in the same area, you know, three, four kind of interchangeable, but somewhere near each other. Um, Jamison has that speed that, like you said, when you draft Jamison Williams, you're not asking him to block. You're, you're just not, that's not what he's going to do. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but um, for a guy like Garrett Wilson, six foot frame, uh, around 190, 195 pounds. 
I don't know. He, I, I he think... can get it done. He can get it done in the blocking game. I mean, but he's just not going to be like a dominant force, you know? No, no, he's not going to impose himself physically. I hate to to put you on the spot, but do you have like a a pro comparison for him? Is there a guy that kind of he reminds you of when you watch him play? I knew I'd be almost, putting you on the spot. Almost a little bit. And it's tough because I can't say that I watched this guy specifically a ton, but I, I almost reminds me a little Deontay Johnson ish. A guy that I like, like that. Deontay good, Johnson's a stud. I good mean, after I mean, the really catch, is. good body control. Um, like you're saying, you know, I, I don't think. And I think almost a little bit with Deontay too. Yeah. And I think with Deontay Johnson too, his big thing is he's not the most physically imposing wide receiver. Um, So yeah, I, I would say he's more around that. And, and like you said, Deontay Johnson's a stud. He is a very good wide receiver. I just think there are certain offenses that he's better fit for. Yeah. And, and that's, what's so hard about this list is like, I'm usually a guy that push backs on like, Oh, this guy fits our system better. That's why we should take him as opposed to like, I want the guy yeah. who's just the best. Yeah. But when, when you're looking at this list, all these guys are so close. And then you look at just exactly. the size of Drake London and Traylon Burks and it just like lifts them up the board, you know? Yeah. One of my, I'll go, I have a bias at every position. I just want the bigger freakier athlete. That's yeah, just, that's I think what I might want. be like that too. Like in terms of receivers are like my favorite position in football. I think probably everyone's realistically, but but I always like, like to me, it's all about like, can I throw you a, a jump ball or, or a fade in the back of the, in the back of the end zone? And can you just go up and catch it? You know, like, yeah. and that was, that's always my thing with, with the jets and what I think we're lacking. And I think it comes with kind of having a, it's like QB confidence, but then it's also like a guy like Fitzpatrick, who's just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it where it's mm-hmm. quarterbacks have to be willing to just throw the ball up to their best players and say, try to catch that ball you know yeah. Patrick Mahomes does it Aaron Rodgers does it you know like um everybody's me. done it to DeAndre Hopkins he's a guy that's like that too right just like, like give him a chance like these guys can do it and and that's why it, like I just have such a bias toward that exact play like in that exact ability of run run a fade route and I'm gonna underthrow you and just beat the cornerback you know and and I think that's something the Jets have needed for years and I think that, that we can really get it in this draft. Yeah. Yeah. To me, and just to tie this back to the Garrett Wilson one, because there have been so many – Ohio State truly is offensively one of the toughest um, teams to evaluate because everything is a deep pass concept play. And, and everything is just like give the quarterback five seconds – to just let everybody get down the field and then work your way. It's tough because that's not what they're going to project like in the NFL. And that's why we've seen guys like, you know, a Michael Thomas falls to the second round. He's a guy that and I know we haven't seen him play football in a while, just to injuries and, and other stuff going on in new Orleans. But he was a guy coming out of the draft that was like, he doesn't do anything special. He's a very solid wide receiver. And that's all he's been in new Orleans. He's been consistent. He's, you know, uh, among the league leaders and catches. He's a physical I'm- guy. <clears throat> You can't say that that Michael Williams wasn't like the best wide receiver in football for like three years, though. Like Mike you really, Thomas or Mike Thomas. Yeah. What did I say? Something. I else? mean, to me, I don't know. I'm. I 
to me, he he just you like, have a bias against I, like older older receivers. I have a bias. No, he's not old. He's not old at all. I, I know, bias. but you like well. Okay. I have a bias around New Orleans because I think that they've just dialed up the way for Drew Brees to get easy completions on slant routes to Mike Thomas, and yeah, it, they just force fed it to me. I guess so it's it was like, like he's the most dominant, just in terms of like I'm gonna have 15 catches a game and 100. You know what I mean? Like, but maybe in terms of just like pure talent, that's not what it is. But yeah. But, it, but regardless, it's like, okay, whatever you think about the talent of the player, if you're going to draft a guy who can go out and lead the league in receptions, yeah. and you know what I mean? Like, that's worth right. it. And Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know if necessarily I think Garrett Wilson – I think Michael Thomas, in terms of comparing those two guys, are, are a little bit different. Mike Thomas has the body and frame that, that Wilson doesn't, and, and Wilson's a lot more twitchy. But in terms of guys that, like, entering the league are going to be – I don't know. It just, it's, it's like you said, he doesn't pop off the page, but that's almost kind of Ohio state's fault with their offense because it, it, it isn't built to be like that. Yeah. And like, I don't want to like, uh, I feel like we're saying that a lot. Like Garrett Wilson has very good tape and, and, yeah, and is a very, 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 very good football player, you know, like, but it's just not that um, I don't know. There's something about it. Um, and I, I do just, it's funny that we we're doing like a 2022 draft show and we're like getting in an argument about Michael like, Thomas, you know, know. <laughs> which is because like I, I, oh, I've hated slant. Ago. I've hated slant boy for years now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I guess we should just jump into my last guy, which is Chris yeah, Olave. Olave. I, I um, just think he's not like as elite as these other guys, but at the same time, he's kind of getting put in that conversation, which, which I mean, good for him. Um, he's definitely my number five guy, just in terms of like the ceiling, but I do want to make the point that I really think that that Chris Olave is going to be like a very good pick for whatever team takes him. And I think um, when you look at a guy who's on one of the top five offenses in college football for, I don't know if he played for four years or maybe just three years of like really getting a lot of playing time, but Chris Olave has been relevant on that team for at least three years. And I think that guys like that, I mean, it's a mixture of he's not being the number one ever, but he's still finding his way to be on the field and be relevant consistently three years in a row. So I think that we get like name fatigue and like, oh, this guy's good, but he's just kind of like a, he's kind of like a, a secondary piece, which may very well be true. But in my opinion, when you just look at guys that have been able to produce, I think Chris Olave is going to be able to come into an NFL locker room and really produce, you know, and, and at least just be like a reliable guy for a quarterback. And I think like the, the comparison I think of is like Hunter Renfro, who is a very good player, but doesn't have the traits necessarily. And then co- goes and is like, a, he's become a very good receiver in the NFL, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he may not be like one of these top 10 guys in terms of talent, but he's able to just go out there and make plays and catch the ball and run good routes and I think that like Chris Olave is definitely going to be able to do that yeah I think there's some similarities between their game I would say you know Olave is definitely a, a better athlete for sure but, I don't and, mean and to compare them to be, as players right. I guess just in but terms no, of like college but, production right and what you're exactly right about with two with you know both of them and I think what if you're trying to say what does Chris Olave do that you know, better than these other guys. He's the cleanest route runner in this class. I mean, his route running, he's got it down. And maybe that just comes by the years of just being that consistent guy and really practicing his craft because 
I mean, he knows the entire route tree. He's got clean cuts. He's quick off the break. He is a very fast wide receiver, good body control for his size. But to me, like I said, you know, I have a preference for bigger wide receivers and it's no surprise. My three through five are the slimmer wide receiver body types. Uh, I'm not sure what he measured in at the combine specifically, but I know he's floating around 190, kind of like with. um, I think he's the shortest guy out of all these guys, right? He's he's. Let's I meant to write down their heights looking, and weights, and I didn't. I'm looking <laughs> at old stuff here for all of them, so I'm not sure where they tested at the um, at the combine. combine. But I'm gonna pull it up real quick because I know that um, how big is Jamison actually? Jamison Williams um, measured in at six one and a half. Uh, we've got Chris Olave at. I think Garrett Wilson six is foot and three eighths. Oh, say that again. So uh, Olave is six foot and three eighths. Okay. Garrett wow. Wilson is 5'11 and 3'4. So, yeah, the yeah. two of them end up being the, the shortest guys of this class. I know Drake that doesn't was really matter. around We're six foot five. About yeah, here. yeah. But, you know, in terms of, and it's, man, I mean, you take a look at how Wilson came in in the combine at 183. I was completely off about his weight. I thought he was like 195. And, yeah. and again, and again, like we're saying, this isn't, this isn't knocking on them. Two of the smallest wide receivers last year's class. I know Jamar Chase is kind of like the, the perfect build, but you know, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, small guys can, can play wide receiver. Now, like we said at the beginning of the pod, I just, I have a preference for guys that are a little bit bigger. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like we're like beating it over the head, but it, it really is just like a guy like Chris Olave and you pair him with Elijah Moore and, and Corey Davis, like, how do you feel about your wide receiver room? And then you think, okay, a guy like Drake London or Traylon Burks, you know, it just adds so much more versatility to the room where I think Chris Olave is going to provide what um, Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios and like guys they're playing in the slot are, are already able to do. Yeah. Um, whereas I think these other guys are really able to like hit that ceiling. Um, and that's really what it's all about. I mean, we keep wanting one of the big things that this whole off season and every off season is about is like, Oh, how can we add pieces that are going to make the team better? And that of course is the name of the game, but realistically it's, we need the jets players to take a step forward and be good. You know what I mean? And so I think it's like, sure. We can, we can debate all day about these, these five guys, but go out there and take one. And then Zach Wilson, go out there and take a step forward with a good offensive line that's protecting you and with other receivers that are coming into their roles and like really go out there and make it easy on this top 10 pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like I don't want to rely on any one of these guys to come in and change the Jets. I want them to be able to come into the Jets and and have a team that's able to support them and make them a great player, you know, because that's really, I mean, it's so overlooked every year is like, how much can the team facilitate a star? That's a great point. Yeah. I, like I said, it's, it's more so we we've said it 5 million times. We like all five of these guys. There's just some that, that are just, they're going to take the jets to a different level, add a little bit depth and versatility to that offense where some of these guys kind of, kind of do already exist on the roster. So at that point, are you just, you know, having subtraction by addition or just, you know, a net nothing at that point. So I'm glad we actually are pretty aligned on that in terms of our rankings. The only thing that we really had switched was um, Wilson and Williams. And I'm, 
and we've got this question on here, where would Jameson be on your list without the injury? To me, I'd probably, I would put, I, I kind of want to have him against uh, above Wilson, but then I think we're kind of just the exact same five. So I'm just going to keep my guy at four, but I would, without the injury, I would take him um, above Garrett Wilson. I still wouldn't have him above London or Burks. Um, but I, I do think that um, I would have him as my number three guy. Definitely. Yeah. He's a stud. I think they're yeah. all studs. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like that's a, a pretty good conversation around wide receiver. There's a few other guys that will be first round picks in, in my eyes. Jahan Dotson, Penn State, Christian Watson, Christian Watson, North Dakota State. George Pickens, I think, is also being so dis uh, you know, so overlooked at this yeah, point. Yeah, the injury, really. Yeah. yeah. But he, I mean, what I like uh, he's just a stud, you know. Right. And then the only thing that. that I think that we should talk about outside, are you done? Are we good with wide receivers here? Yeah, I, like I actually a, was, I, I forgot, but we should talk about again, the fact that everyone's kind of writing this off as it's going to be wide receiver. Really anything can happen. And especially whatever goes down at that number four pick could also influence this number 10, you know? So, so there's other possibilities out there. Yeah. And among those, I think we look at two other positions more specifically than others, just as we did with alternatives for the, you know, number four pick cornerback could still be in consideration, you know, sauce, uh, sauce Johnson. Did I say that? Sauce right? Gardner. Sauce Gardner. Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> sauce Gardner. I don't know where I got Johnson from. Yeah. And he likely might not even be there, you know? Right. So he's a guy that could be off the board by then. I um, mean, take a look at edge, Jermaine Johnson, George Karloftis. Those are two guys that'll probably still be available around there. Um, but yeah. I, maybe, I don't know maybe. outside of outside of those positions, cornerback and edge. I don't think, you know, to me, if they're going to go toward a position like a defensive tackle or the top linebacker of this class, or um, I, I really think I, I really think offensive line is is out of the picture. Um, and I know that well, I was just going to say about that is um, offensive line at four would maybe make sense, because if they think. Aquanu is the the best player on the board and the way that the draft falls to them I think yeah. that could be a possibility but yeah. I do not really think like because they're not going to take Icky at 10 unless he falls drastically so I just don't think that same like kind of dilemma is going to be there for them um, so I, I definitely agree with you there that it's just it seems kind of unrealistic at 10. And I saw uh, Biennemi and who's the athletic guy? Who's the guy that writes for the athletic? That's the Jets guy, Connor Hughes. Connor Rogers Con or Hughes? Connor Hughes. Hughes. Okay. Yeah. So I the like two of them guy. were going back and forth over Icky at four, and, and Connor was saying, "You're not draft. You're not drafting always for next year. Sometimes you're just drafting for the future." And I and I understand that to a certain extent, but when you're a top four pick, um, to me, that's a, a staple where you need to get a guy that's an impact player that following season. Because especially yeah. imagine, imagine if you draft Icky and say that he is just struggling to find a position. Um, and, and I'm not saying that you wouldn't start him over Fant. Like he probably would be their their best tackle day one. They, he probably would be. But when you've got an offensive line that's already set, yes, Fant is not a long-term answer. Becton does have some concerns there um, in, in terms of, you know, people maybe doubting his future with the Jets. But at the same time, they're there right now and, and to me when you have so many positions that you actually need guys starting week one of next year that's where I say look I get it he could be the best tackle on the team but we've got our two tackles for next season we do not have another wide receiver we do not have an edge rusher we do not have a corner well we have corner pretty figured out but there, there's just other needs 
Yeah. And I like so, so much of me wants to push back on that and, and, and be like, but you still got to take the best guy and the jets are still going to need a tackle in two years. And what if one of these guys in Beckton, like so much of me wants to bring up all those arguments, but when you really just sit there and you think like, how much better is this going to make the team this year? Because even if let's say, okay, we take him and then we uh, make a move and deal Mackay or, or do something with fan or just one of them gets hurt and he ends up playing and it's like, okay, well now we're still that one position away. You know what I mean? So it just, I can, I, I really wouldn't hate it because he's such a good player, but it just, it, it doesn't seem like, like it's going to happen. Right. In my yep. opinion. Yeah. So I think that's where we're at. And with, I've been wrong before. Line. To me, the only <laughs> other situation oh, we've been wrong plenty of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On this um, podcast alone. I don't right. think any of my free agency predictions came true. We signed zero linebackers. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, we did sign zero <laughs> linebackers. So that's because we keep taking safeties and turning them into linebackers. Right. I actually, I have a piece coming out tomorrow on linebackers. So if you're listening to this podcast, go head over to Sports Illustrated. I got a piece on some uh, second and third round linebackers that the Jets should be looking at. Yeah, Blake um, writes for Sports Illustrated. We should talk about you that should more. Listen at, and you should read. Maybe at the beginning. Yeah, go pay attention With our to Twitter stuff account. over there. NYJ underscore chasing 69. Follow yeah. us on Twitter, please. You're here way at the end of this podcast. Do yeah. it. Yeah. All the info that I gave you on Drake London was just, I, I pulled up my article here and I'm just reading the numbers back to you. Um, but outside of, of, you know, what they could do at pick 10 to me, the other positions where I was going with this linebacker, defensive tackle, some other guys, that's to me trade back scenarios. And we don't need to get into that today. Um, and I was almost thinking because uh, Teddy is going to be on vacation next week. Um, so I might be recording a solo pod. I was almost thinking about just doing a podcast on trade back scenarios. Um, so that way we can still have a conversation like a the following week on some of the second round guys to take a look at. Um, so that might be there, but there's so many different avenues that you could go. If, if say the jets are looking and they, they want Traylon Burks, but he's going to be available at 17 or 19, make a trade back, add in that day to pick, pick up a first next year. Um, so that's, that's to me, the only, the, the rest of the conversation around pick 10 is like, yeah. And I, I don't, I really, I think that's, um, I don't know if it's like likely, I guess, but it's definitely, I like, we know Joe Douglas, you know, and if someone makes him an offer and especially like, it makes you kind of think like, Oh, well maybe we can just take one of these other receivers, you know, depending on how the board falls. So I definitely think that's a very likely possibility that even if we're just moving back like five, you know, like to 15 to 19, 16, something like that. You're still picking up an extra pick on top of it too, which to me, and we've talked about this at some point, this is, it's not a top heavy draft class. It is a very, middle round end of first round like that is where you're going to get the best value for your picks you know you take a look at the top 10 of last year it was stud after stud after stud it was a stud left tackle it was two stud wide receivers three stud wide receivers it was just full of players that you couldn't avoid taking in the top 10 um this year there are talented players but really where you're going to get the best value for your pick is rounds two and three um in my eyes so um, yeah, I think that's that's the only other thing to consider as a trade back scenario. But I feel like we've we've had a pretty good conversation uh, around pick ten here. Is there anything else that we we didn't get the chance to touch on? No, man. I think we're good. I think we uh, we crushed it. Look at us go four pods yeah. in. Is this where our month anniversary? Wow. Did you well, get me a gift? No. 
when we were kids, Blake would always get me a birthday gift and I would always not get him one. And then I almost brought that up. <laughs> I almost brought that up because I was, you were mentioning that Ohio state was your school. And I remember the time that I gave you that uh, long sleeve Ohio state shirt. Oh yeah. And really it was just because it didn't fit me. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was a dope it was shirt. something that I got and I was just like, well, Teddy will take it. He's an Ohio That's state nice guy. Idea. That is a good point though. I did. I was, I was on the birthday gift train, but that was, I feel like when you're younger too, I feel like at least your parents are like, Hey, go get, I don't know. My yeah, mom was also always like, like, you're not going to get probably would have been, it probably would have been nice of me to get you birthday gifts. Like, I don't think it, I think it's more me not doing it than you doing it. You know? Yeah. I think that's, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're right there, but it's okay. Oh, You'll make man. up for it when you come down to Nashville and we re- yeah, record a, one day. a live one one day. That would be, so, Oh, that's such a good idea. We're live definitely show. doing that. Live show here. That would be great. Yeah. All right. Ted. All right. We've, we've done it all here. Uh, like, you know, subscribe, follow us. Um, Teddy's personal Twitter at Teddy Huncho. Are we ever going to mention your burner on here? Or are we just going to no, let no, your no, burner no, no. exist I don't by put, itself? I don't want people to know about my burner. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that out there. We, we don't need to do that. But we follow Teddy. A million followers. Maybe yeah, a thousand then, followers. Then we'll release it. It's like PFT um, showing his eyes again to everybody. Right. It'll be Teddy letting everybody know what his burner is. Um, yeah. But yeah, make sure to follow him at Teddy Hunt Show. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Maybe we'll get into some Twitter spaces in the next few weeks. We're actually both oh, yeah. taking vacations. Mine is unfortunately only three days, but I'm headed to Florida tomorrow or by the, today by the time you're listening to this. But Teddy, have a great vacation. Um, like I said, I'm probably going to record Thank a quick you. little solo pod, and then we'll be back the following week. We're almost at draft time. Let's take a look. We've got just a couple more pods before the draft. I mean, I'll do the solo one next week. We'll be back on the 20th. Um, and we've got at that point two more pods before the draft, so we're getting pretty close. We might have to do uh, do our own Jets mock drafts or or take a look at some uh, mid round guys. But appreciate it as always. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, for Teddy Pristash, I'm Blake Pace. We'll see you next week.